Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, I just want to say hello to all of you guys. And if you are watching online, we are so glad that you are here and over in Pewaukee. Um, I'm so glad that you've decided to join us this weekend. Can we give it up one more time for the band and for all the kids who joined us? That was awesome, right? That was awesome. Um, I am so blessed and honored to be a part of our family ministry. Um, for those of you who do not know me, uh, my name is Garrett, and I am one of the student pastors here at River Glen, um, and I absolutely love working with students. So that was like a, like a, a proud dad moment for me. Uh, it was pretty cool. But if we have not met, I would love to meet you. Please come say hi in the lobby after service. Um, I'm looking forward to meeting some of those who I have not met. But uh, I, I love being a student pastor. I love working with, with high schoolers and, and, and middle schoolers. They're, they're all crazy, but I, I wanted to show you a picture of kind of what my life is like as a student pastor. So this is, that's me as the gorilla delivering about enough pizzas for about 120 middle schoolers. Um, and that's kind of just like an average, an average day in the life uh, of a student pastor. Um, and I've learned in working with students, there are like a few things um, that kind of catch their attention or that they really notice uh, when, when, you know, these things happen. The, the first would probably be uh, some sort of Fortnite update. Um, any, any Fortniters out there? Okay, yeah, so a Fortnite update or a new, new game or, or something. Um, the other would probably be like something on Instagram or Twitter, Snapchat, like a new filter. Um, that, that's pretty cool. Um, my, my favorite thing that I try to, try to keep up with would be like the dance moves, the trending, uh, a move, like what's the, what's the move right now? You know, like what is, what is the thing? And I've learned it is uh, the woe. You guys in on the, on the woe? Who's, who's familiar with the woe, all right? So we're going to learn the woe together. I just learned this. Um, but it, you, so you like throw something up. I don't know what you're throwing, but you just throw it. And then you catch it like here, and then you just do like a little, uh, you know, hit him with the, uh, you know. But you got to add like the, you got to add the stank face because it just kind of, you know, adds to the, to the swagger. So it's like a this and then a, hey, you know, hit him with the woe. So you guys try it. Ready? We throw it up and then we... Hit the woe, right? So I'll throw it, and then you guys catch it. Ready? Throw. Catch the woe. Hey, come on. Hey. Now, now you're woke. Okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done. Jeez. Okay. So that's the woe. That's, that's the thing. Uh, the fourth thing might be that, right? That picture of me in a gorilla costume with pizza. They, the students know once I show up on the scene looking like that and delivering that, they know that something is about to go down. They know that something is going to happen. And as weird as it sounds, I think the same thing goes for, for Jesus. No, there's, there's no scripture in here uh, about Jesus ever showing up in a gorilla costume uh, delivering pizza. But when Jesus showed up, they knew. When Jesus was on the scene, they knew that something was about to happen. He, he caught their attention. He, he, he captivated crowds. He, he was a character who brought people in. And they knew that when he showed up, something was about to happen. They were going to experience some sort of, of transformation or life change. We've been in this series titled, Jesus Is... Right? And we've been looking at different characteristics or, or attributes of, of who Jesus was. What did his life look like on earth? And, and what does that mean for us? And, and this morning, I want to share with you the idea that Jesus is here. That's kind of what, 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 we're, what we're filling in in that blank, that Jesus is here. 
And that's like a weird, that's kind of like a characteristic, but it's also kind of just like a, like a declaration. I think, I think it's both. I think the fact that Jesus is here, it, it's a character trait about who he is. God is omnipresent. He is all places at all times. He is God. But he's also here, and that's something that we can kind of take in our lives and in our situations and just declare that. That, you know what, Jesus is here. And, and I don't know where, where a lot of you guys are at in your faith journey. Maybe you've been coming here for a while, and, and you're used to hearing stuff like that, and you're like, yes, right on, right? Like, Jesus is here. Maybe you're kind of just getting back in the groove of things, and, and, and you're figuring this whole all thing out. And I don't know, maybe it's your first time here, or your first time even in a church, and you, you're sitting there like, why are kids waving branches at me? And how's the dude in a costume qualified to, to talk to us this morning, right? That's okay. That's fair. But wherever you're at, I, I just want to inform you or encourage you or, or remind you that, that Jesus is here. And, and we're going to look into that today and unravel what that actually means for us today, that Jesus is here. The first point that I'd like to pull out of this fact is that Jesus is here for us. Jesus is here for us. If you're taking notes, you can, you can write that down. Jesus is here for us. We're going we're gonna to jump to John chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. You can follow along with me. John chapter 11. And, and this is what's going on in the story. Jesus has, has three close friends. Their names are Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And they're all siblings, so two sisters and a brother. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus gets sick. He becomes very ill. And so Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. They send messengers to go to where Jesus is to let him know that, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick. And so, so word gets to Jesus about his friend Lazarus, and this is what he replies in chapter 11, reading from verse 4. It says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus responds saying, all right, he's sick, but it will not end in death. That's what he gives, that's the word he gives back to those messengers to send. And then he waits. He waits two days before taking the day journey to where Lazarus is. One day to find out, two days of waiting, one day of journey. Jesus is in Perea, which is about a day's journey from Bethany, where Lazarus is. So from Perea to Bethany, it's a day journey, but he waits two days before even getting there. So we're going to jump to verse 17, still in chapter 11, picking up the story. This is what it says. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's her response to Jesus. And then they have this moment together, and then she goes and gets her sister. And, and Mary shows up and says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, I, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, everything. I won't claim to know it all from Scripture or know it all about the Bible. But 
first rule that I have for you, if you want Jesus to raise your brother from the dead, maybe don't start by getting sassy with him. That's just kind of rule one. You don't, you know, where were you, Jesus, right? Like that's not the best move, right? That's not how we want to go. But how many of us, I think, can relate to Mary and Martha? Lord, if only you had been here. Am I the only one who's, who said that? But God, where were you? Do you even care that this happened to me? Maybe you've read the headlines recently and you see things like shootings, racism, injustice, natural disasters, destroying villages. God, where were you? Maybe it's your, your own life currently. Maybe you're, you're trapped in some sin that you, that you just can't overcome. Or, or maybe your, your debt is piling and financial stress is increasing. Or maybe it, it's fighting with loved ones or, or your spouse. And, and, and you have a lot of doubt and you're filled with fear. And you're wondering, God, where even are you? God, if you had been here. See, what I find interesting is, is that leading up to this moment, right, we had said Jesus waited two days Jesus didn't rush to get to Lazarus. His best friend is, is dead by the time he probably even finds out. Lazarus is already dead. And Jesus doesn't like, we got to go, right? He waits two days and then gets there. And Mary and Martha are wondering, God, where have you been? What are you, what are, what are you doing? But I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to remind you something that in this moment and, and even in our lives, in moments that we have like Mary and Martha, Jesus is never late. He shows up exactly when he intends to. He steps on the scene at the exact moment that he knew they needed him most and the exact moment that he had planned the whole entire time. And so maybe you're like Mary and Martha and you're clinging to this moment. You're clinging to this situation that you've got yourself in. You're clinging to the struggles or the headline of your life, but you're forgetting what he said in verse four, that this sickness will not end in death. And so many of us forget what God had spoken to us in the moment of what is happening around us. Jesus was never late. He showed up exactly when he intended to. And I think that's the same for you and me today. Maybe there's something you've been praying for or believing for or asking God to do in your life. Maybe you've been wondering and wandering and you're wondering, God, where even are you? And he's saying, I'm on my way. See, in that moment, Jesus was there physically for Mary and Martha. But he was also there emotionally. The story continues. We'll be picking up in verse 33. It says this, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then shortest scripture in all, of, in all of the Bible, Jesus wept. See, Jesus, the fact that Jesus is here for you means that he's, that he's moved and, and his heart breaks 
when your heart breaks. When you feel pain, Jesus feels pain. When you feel lost, Jesus is right there beside you, feeling those emotions with you. See, it's important to note that Jesus was moved and he was troubled. Those are, those are two different things. Jesus was moved, meaning, meaning he was relating to you on a personal level, feeling what you feel, but he's also troubled. And I think he's troubled at the fact that, that verses before this, Martha had, had literally said to his face, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Moments before this, Martha had declared who he was. You see, he was moved, but he was also troubled because she knew who he was, but she forgot what it meant. And I don't know, maybe, maybe some of us feel like we know a lot about God, right? We could fill out that Jesus is blank until we run out of words in the dictionary or in the Bible. We know all the characteristics, all the traits, all the things to properly describe who Jesus is. But some of us forget to apply it to our own situation and apply it to our own lives. See, Martha knew who he was, but she forgot what it meant for her. And there is a difference in knowing of God and knowing about him and, 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 and who he is and, and the things that he's done. There's a, there's a difference in knowing of him and, and just knowing him on a personal, relational level that invites him in and says, God, come and do what only you can do. God, God, fix the brokenness in my life. God, I invite you to transform me. I invite you to make change in my life. There is a difference in just knowing who he is, but letting it change you. And that's what I want to encourage you today is, is that I want, I want us to know him and allow him to step in and make change. The story continues, and, and, and Jesus eventually approaches the tomb. And he comes up to the tomb, and he commands them to roll away the stone. And then he commands in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he, and he makes it personal, right, commanding him, Lazarus, come out. There's this, this story. Uh, my family was at the zoo. This is like a while back. And my sister was really little then, like four or five years old. And there was this lady who had, uh, was talking to them in to my family in line, and she was, you know, talking to my little sister, and she's like, oh, you know, you're so cute, whatever. And then she, like, asked her, uh, she's like, what's your name? And my sister replied and said, Victoria Elizabeth, come here right now. Because <laughs> that's what, you know, maybe she was used to. No, I, and my mom's like, no, not me. I, not, I didn't have any part in that, right? Some of the, some of the kids in here are like, that happened to me on the way here. Like, I know, <laughs> yes, I got the middle name and everything, right? But Jesus makes it personal, and, I, and, I, and it's, it's actually a good thing that he makes it personal because uh, in those days, bodies would have, would have been buried together. And so in the tomb isn't just Lazarus, it's, it's some other people who, who are dead and who are laying there. And so it's, it, it, it's probably a good thing that Jesus only asked for Lazarus to come out, right? I would just imagine like, come out, and all these bodies are like, yeah, like, just rushing, and God is like, oh, no, no, I didn't, I didn't mean, like, I just meant Lazarus, and then Lazarus in, like, a red leather jacket, and thriller, and it's like, whoa, zombies, like, no, thriller in church, can we, come on, hey, yeah, all right, okay, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but Jesus makes it, makes it personal to Lazarus, calling him out, 
And, I, and I, I've been there. I've been in moments that, that look like death and brokenness and lost. And God showed up and he called me out. And maybe he's doing the same for you today. Maybe you are trapped in something or maybe you are overwhelmed with anxiety and depression and the need for people to love you or maybe it's your finances and you are just crippled in pain and fear and doubt and Jesus is showing up and he's calling you saying, child, my friend, come out. I'm offering you life. I am here for you. That's the God we serve. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for a God who shows up in the mess and calls me out. Anybody else with me on that? Like, like, like he shows up calling us out. And that's nice, right? Like that's good. Like I'm glad he, he shows up and, and calls me out. But we forget that. That he's there for us. And, that, and that's easy to forget. See, but Jesus wasn't, you know, just there in, in that moment. He, he's, he's here forever. And, and that's the second point. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Jesus is here forever. Jesus is here forever. He's not just this momentary character that we read about in Scripture who, who walked around doing amazing things. He is a living and breathing God who wants to be a part of your life. He wants to take part in the things that you are taking part in. He wants to be there for good. He promised us that he would send someone. This is what it says in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. He says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The word that's used there is, is dwells, and the Greek word for that is meno. It's, it's this word meno, and it translates to abide, to remain, to continue to be present, to stay in a given place. One thing that, that we as a society have or a culture have with us almost all the times that, that stays with us is our phones, right? Anybody got their phone on them? Yeah, majority of us all have a phone. Some of us don't, but that's okay. Some research a couple years ago said that 95% of Americans have a cell phone, while 77% of those people all have a smartphone. That's what I have. This is my iPhone. Um, this is like a mini robot in your hand. If you don't have one, um, it is a robot, and it'll tell you how many steps you didn't take that day. Uh, and I don't need to know that, iPhone. Don't tell me that. Uh, but these things, are, these things are wicked smart, and we always have them with us, and there's, there's a ton of new things being created. And one of my favorite things that's been created um, for the iPhone or for phones is, is FaceTime. Majority of my family lives in Southern California, and so I love that in a matter of, of five swipes or buttons, whatever, whatever you want to call it, I could be talking face-to-face -face with my brother who lives outside of L.A. Like, that, that is so cool to me, and, and, and maybe, maybe you, you've had the same, you know, situation, FaceTiming family members. Well, the designer of FaceTime, Roberto Garcia, said this shortly after FaceTime was created. He said, I'm extremely proud of the work that I did on FaceTime. 
One of the most proudest moments in my life was launching a FaceTime call with my mother-in-law shortly after my daughter was born in 2011. She couldn't be at the birth, Garcia said, but the call made her feel more connected. We heard her bawling in crystal clear audio in the moments afterward. Garcia said that she told me she felt like she was right there. Some of us forget that in a matter of seconds, we can feel like God is right there. We get trapped in in, in these moments of feeling lost and broken we're like, God, I, there's no way you want anything to do with me. God, I, I don't even understand it. But God is saying, I want to be wherever you are. And we have the opportunity at this portable presence, right? The presence of God is not a place. It's not a place that, that we go to. The presence of God is a person. And that person is, is Jesus. And he wants to live inside of each of us. He wants to dwell and remain and go with us for good and forever. And that is the presence. And the God that we serve is a God who is alive and who is portable. And he goes with us. And, and through anything that we walk through, he is living with us in those moments. I'm grateful for a portable presence that goes with me wherever I go. That is the God we serve. He wasn't just there in, in these stories, but, he, but he's here. And he can be, be here. You know, we got to celebrate last week as over 40 people gave their lives to Jesus in public declaration through baptism and received that gift of the Holy Spirit. And then during the week, over 10 more people from our rooted groups also surrendered their lives to Jesus through baptism and receiving that gift of his Holy Spirit to go with them and dwell with them always. Jesus is here forever and he's offering us a life with him through everything. See, he's here for us and, and, and he's here forever, but, but that's not it. He doesn't just come empty-handed. The third and, and final point I want to share with you is that Jesus is here for a purpose. Jesus is here for a purpose. He shows up wanting to offer you something. He shows up ready to, to give you something. He's got a purpose for his arrival. Jesus is here for a purpose. At the beginning, or just a, just a little bit ago, we sang Hosanna. That's the, that's the song we sang with, with all those kids. And, and that word Hosanna, like Morgan had said, is this Hebrew word that exclaims adoration and praise for someone or something. This, this was found in, in John 12. Starting in verse 12, it, it talks about this day that Jesus showed up. It says this, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus has this moment where he rides in in all his glory and people are shouting and praising him. And I love to, to, I love to look at this moment as, as Christ's victory parade. It's his, it's his moment. It's his victory parade. 
being from uh, California, from San Diego specifically, I'm not used to many victory parades as far as sports go. Uh, the Padres, we're doing good. Hey, Padres, I'm believing 2020, it's our year. Uh, but the Chargers, come on, I, like so bad we had to move to a different city. Like that's kind of where we're at as, as a city with sports. It's kind, of, it's kind of sad. But now that I live here, I've kind of got the opportunity, right? I'm, I'm, I may have the opportunity to be a part of some more victory parades, right? We've got Green Bay Packers. Anybody? Green Bay Packers, four Super Bowl championships. Come on. And then the, the way the Bucks and the Brewers are playing, I don't know. Hey, yeah, come on. I'm just saying 2019 is the year of victory parades for Milwaukee, right? But I'm not used to that. But I like to look at this moment as Christ's victory parade. He shows up in victory. He shows up, people shouting and cheering. And what's interesting about, about this is, is that before he went to the cross, before he rose from the dead, before anything else happened, he had the victory parade. And typically those come afterwards, right? But, but God was so sure, God knew that the victory belonged to him. And so he was able to have the victory parade before anything else because he had victory already and he knew I will be victorious over this and I'm coming for a purpose and that purpose is to offer you victory in your life too. I want to give you that victory that you have through me. Jesus is victorious. 500 years before this moment happened, it was spoken about by a prophet named Zechariah. Zechariah was a guy who, who, got a me, who would get a message or a word from God and he, would, and he would preach it. He would speak it to the people with him. And, and, and that was Zechariah and, and, and he got this message from God. And this is what he said in Zechariah 9.9, 500 years before this moment actually happened. He said, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And, and, and I, and I want to share the same message that Zechariah preached and that Jesus made known. I want to share the same thing with you today. I would say rejoice, O church. Give praise, O wandering people, for your king is here. And he shows up in righteousness and in glory, offering you victory in life. And the victory is his and it's offered to you today. That is the God we serve. The God of victory who fear bows at the feet of Jesus. Where darkness is overcome by the light that he brings. We serve a God who is greater than the mess or the grave or the headline of our life. And the moments that we feel trapped in, Jesus shows up riding in humbly and righteousness in victoriousness. Saying, I'm here for you. And I came for a purpose. And I came to offer somebody victory today. Is anybody grateful for the victory that we have in Jesus? Come on. He came riding in for a purpose. And that purpose was you and me. That we may declare his presence and his glory and his righteousness and his peace and his love and his grace and his victory in our moments. In ancient Greece, the, the palm branch was awarded to victorious athletes and a palm frond or, or the full tree itself 
is one of the most common attributes of victory personified in ancient Rome. That's what he offers you. A God who brings victory. And that's what it means that Jesus is here. And maybe, maybe you're at a different place or, or, or you're all over. You're like, yes, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I love that. Or maybe you're like, I don't even, what does that mean? Like, no, me, really? Like, yes, you. Wherever you are at in your faith journey, wherever you're at with this whole Jesus thing, it's not just about these, these palm branches and, 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 and these songs, but it's about the fact that Jesus showed up and Jesus is here. And that, is what we celebrate today, known as Palm Sunday, the week leading up to his death on Friday, the day that he rode in. That's what, that's what we celebrate, the week before Easter, that Jesus is here and that Jesus is offering victory. We're going to go into a time of response, and I'm going to invite all of you to to come up and, and take one of these, these palm leaves. We even got some, uh, some people out in the lobby who can do some wicked origami and make it into a cross for you. Some magic, I can't do that. But I want to invite you to come and take one of these. And, and go make it into a cross if you'd like. But keep it with you. As a representation for the victory that we have in Jesus. As a representation that wherever we're at, Jesus showed up, and the king is here. And as you take these, we also want to invite you to take communion. We've got communion set up up here by the leaves or back there on the tables. And you can take the leaf and take your communion. And, and, and here at River Glen, we, we take communion every single week. They're in these double cups. There's the bread that represents his body. I was broken for you. And there's the cup of blood or of juice, but it represents his blood that was shed for you. And we take that and we celebrate what we're going to talk about next week and celebrate together was Christ going to the cross, but not just going to the cross, but coming up three days later and conquering death and offering us life eternally. And we offer this to anybody. It's open to anybody who, who wants to proclaim Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So in a moment, we're going to pray, and, and the band's going to come up and, and sing a song and, and take the palm branch and reflect on what this means, that Jesus is here. How does, how does that change you? What does this mean for you? And then, with that communion, partake in the body that was broken for you, in the blood that was shed for you. And may we remember that Jesus is here. Heavenly Father, God, you are good. And you are good all the time, God, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, God, even when we feel so trapped and so lost. God, would you remind us that you are here. Would you remind us that you've showed up? God, would you overwhelm us with your love and with your presence and with your power, God, 
That every day, whether we are, we are close to you or far from you, God, we would be reminded that you are here. God, that you came here, that you sent your son here, that you gifted us with your Holy Spirit here in this place and here in our hearts, God, that you are here for us, that you are here forever, and that you are here for a purpose, offering us victory in life. We come to you, Lord, in thanksgiving, proclaiming Hosanna, praise to the King of Kings who is victorious. In Jesus' name, amen.